Hello, I'm Michael L. Harris, and this is Midwest Entertainment Review, a place where I talk openly and honestly about the theater and entertainment that I've seen throughout the Midwest with a concentration on northern Indiana. In this episode, I'll be reviewing the Wagon Wheel Theater's production of Always Patsy Cline and Elkhart Civic Theater's production of The Little Mermaid. It also occurred to me this week that since I'm reviewing these shows after they've occurred, though usually during the run of the show, it may be beneficial for me to share some of the many shows that I'll be attending over the next few months. This should also be helpful since many of the shows that I see, particularly the concerts and festivals, are one and two night events. And while some musicians are doing shows at other places throughout the Midwest, it's always best to get tickets as far in advance as possible. If you have access to pre-sale tickets, that's even better. Seats are often sold out, particularly for the bigger shows, before they even go on sale for the public. Often you can get advanced access through credit card perks, or by being a member of a particular artist's mailing list or fan club. I'm on many artists' and venues' email lists, as well as those of Bands in Town, Stage It, and Ticketmaster. This allows me advance notice of upcoming shows. One of my favorite high-energy artists is American Idol Season 10 winner Scotty McCreary. Scotty puts on an excellent high-energy show. Spoiler alert, when he leaves the stage briefly halfway through the show, he will likely reappear at the rear of the auditorium, and if you happen to have aisle seats on one of the main aisles, you can easily high-five him on his way back to the stage. Or at least you could in pre-COVID days, but it's worth knowing when you purchase tickets that the possibility is there. Another thing I love about McCreary, in addition to his music, of course, is that he generally holds an annual fan club-only concert in Nashville during the CMA Fest, which is usually in early June. The fan concert includes dinner, the concert, and a meet-and-greet at a very reasonable price. The year I attended, he did an acoustical presentation of his entire new album, and I met his then-wife-to-be, Gabby Dungle, who he married later that year. Fan club membership is just $20 a year, and in addition to having the opportunity to purchase fan concert tickets, you get advance notice of all of Scotty's upcoming dates, and the opportunity to request a fan meet and greet twice a year, and no extra charge. This means you can meet Scotty, just like those people who purchased the $100 meet and greet pass. You can get your picture taken with him, which you can later retrieve on the fan website, plus you get an autographed picture of him. If you really want to meet Scotty, it's the cheapest way to do it, other than hanging out in the parking lot for hours after the show, hoping to catch him on his way to the bus, uh, which I've done. I've done both, actually, several times. And believe me, it's much easier to join the fan club and request the meet and greet. You don't get to hang out like the pay demingeers, but how much time can you actually get with him anyway? And after you've said hello and told him whatever it is that you're dying to say, you're better off to get into the theater for the show anyway. More on that later. Now to the reviews. Wagon Wheel always does a fine job. Hallelujah, a show I can finally praise. The actors were fabulous, and my only faults with the production were technical and logistical, but I'm very happy to see that Wagon Wheel has put forth extraordinary efforts to keep the stage lights on and keep people safe, if only one time this season. The 2020 season, however, had to be moved back to 2021. There are, however, several upcoming concerts at the venue, including Amy Grant and the Mercy Beatles, pushed back from earlier dates. The Mercy Beatles put on a great show, unlike my experience with Salute to the Stars and Shipshawana, although they are considerably older than George, John, Paul, and Ringo were when they first performed the iconic melodies 
that the Mercy Beatles perform. Still, it's a fun show, and they definitely can sing on tune. Best of all, they actually sound like the Beatles. The Center Street Community Theater will also be doing Clue on stage at the Wagon Wheel in September. Kirlase Hawkins has a wonderful voice, and although her inflections were not exactly those of Patsy Cline, she can sing, and the songs themselves take you way down memory lane. Unfortunately, the show book itself does little for Patsy other than place her on stage to sing her catalog of hits. The story actually revolves around a meeting that Klein had with Louise Sager, possibly her biggest fan. Though their encounter was um, a one-night stand, their friendship continued until Klein was tragically killed in a plane accident several months later. Despite the brief meeting, Klein wrote frequent letters to Sager and signed them, Always Patsy Klein, hence the title of the show. Seeger, played by Jennifer Dow, is definitely the lifeblood of the show. She's that boisterous anything-goes character who will ask anyone anything and doesn't take no for an answer, but she's just so lovable you can't say no anyway. Her numbers with Klein and antics about her car and her skin-tat pants are hysterical. She's the perfect balance to Klein's very reserved, even bland at times, online presence. Now, that's not to say that Hawkins was not good at her role. She was exceptionally good. The script called for her to be very monotone. But the energy in the show came when she played off of Seeger. The show's being performed outdoors at the Wagon Wheel parking lot. Actors perform predominantly under a tent, which creates some issues for getting a good feel of the performance. It really would have been more effective without the tent. Lights did not seem to help a great deal. Sound was good for the most part, and there was, now here, this Blue Gate and Round Barn, a live orchestra. Ticket prices are very reasonable, and the show runs through the weekend of August 23rd. The show is a straight hour and a half, no intermissions. Water is available for purchase, there are outdoor restrooms, security is provided, and COVID protocols are in place. Seeding is a bit of an issue, as the tent is on the only flat ground in the parking lot, which rakes downhill in the audience seating area, putting the seats further back at a lower level than the ones closer to the stage. Just the opposite of what one would generally expect, but the limitation is created by the nature of the property and the outdoor setting. It is a show worth seeing, and Wagon Wheel, now in its 65th year, is an organization worth supporting by your attendance. This is also a full-circle moment for the theater, as it began 65 years ago in a tent. Elkhart Civic Theater's production of The Little Mermaid is unlike other shows that I've been reviewing, an amateur production, and therefore is entitled to far more slack in terms of production values and performance than those with professional companies and who charge professional prices. Nevertheless, they came through with shining colors. The performance was, with few exceptions, well rehearsed, and vocal director Sandy Hill did her job. All voices were clear, well rehearsed, and on tune, hallelujah. Direction by Matthew Manley, his debut, was praiseworthy, as was, I'm sure, the assistance given to him by his assistant director, Bianca Orwe. The choreography by Brittany Townsley was fresh and appropriate to the scene. Particularly memorable were the scenes featuring the ensemble. Katie Hilton's lighting was non-obtrusive and complemented the action on stage. Sound quality, which I assume was under the direction of Bristol Opera House newcomer Girmar Townsend, was an issue. Although perhaps more an issue of the equipment and the circumstances rather than his skill level. There was a considerable amount of crackle and distortion in the sound, which was distracting, and I thought it was difficult to hear dialogue, but that just may be a dysfunction of my ears. I was relatively far back in the theater. 
COVID protocols were observed when entering the theater, and there was some spacing in the auditorium, although there were no empty rows between the audience members as I've seen in other theaters. The actual distance to other patrons in front and behind was more like four feet instead of six. My issues with this production were its lack of a live orchestra, which I guess is my pet peeve for musicals, but it is in my mind just a necessary part of live musical theater to have a live orchestra. And the other show I had was with casting. Casting of principles went way against type to the point where it really interfered with the credibility of the performance. Prince Charming just did not bespeak princely to me. Well, I guess it's really Prince Eric, but you get the picture. Equally disturbing were Ariel's hand movements during the song she was singing, and while her voice was spot on, her constant hand motions reminded me more of an old silent movie than a modern-day stage musical. If it was meant to be an imitation of swimming, she might have been spot on. The problem was no one else was doing it, and she was doing it even when she was on dry ground. And it was just a bit overly dramatic for me. Young Noah Troyer was memorable as Flounder. Curie Herring Jackson stole the show, in my opinion, with her Ursula. Her vocals were stunning, and her in-the-moment responses made the day. Not far behind her, however, were her two menacing green eel minions, Flautsome and Jetsum played by Rebecca and Jennifer Verteramo. Additional noteworthy performances included Eddie Bell as Scuttle, Ariel's seagull friend. His dance number along with his other seagull ensemble was another memorable highlight of the show, and frankly just funny. Also noteworthy were Ariel's sisters, played by Elizabeth Carrier, Cadence Lee, Genevieve Carreño, Michelle Miller, Libby Eichhorn, and Kayla Key. Chef Louie was so far over the top that somehow on the way back down he was funny. Elkhart Civic's The Little Mermaid runs through August 9th and is well worth seeing. ECT is another organization worth your support. The next production, Silent Sky, opens in October. Additionally, ECT has a wonderful Reader's Theater series, which they've been doing for the last few years on a bi-monthly basis. These productions are well worth seeing, and they're cheap, 10 bucks a show. The location of the next reading is still undecided. Prior to the COVID outbreak, they were held regularly at the Unitarian Universalist Church on Garden Street in Elkhart. If protocols allow, they will presumably resume at that location. Check Elkhart Civic's website for updates. Incidentally, Silent Sky, their next production, was originally done as an ECT Reader's Theater production several years ago. And now for a few upcoming events. Irish slash bluegrass band Scathion has been doing regular online concerts on their Facebook page during the shutdown. Check their Facebook page for their next event. UK acting coach Ross Grant continues to offer free and paid online screening training events. Midwest Film Festival resumes its regular screenings of independent features and shorts with a female filmmaker's shorts night on August 26th at the Chi-Town Movies, a new drive-in theater in Chicago. The screenings begin at 7 p.m. Check on the Midwest Film Festival's website for tickets and additional details. Midwest Film Festival is a great place to learn about film production, see great independent films, and network with other filmmakers. Scotty McCreary, who I mentioned earlier, will be doing a virtual concert from the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee on September 4th. This is a pay-per-view event, and tickets are only 10 bucks. They go on sale on Monday the 10th at 10 a.m. Central and are available at Ryman.com. Round Barn Theater's production of Into the Woods opens on the 20th of August at the Barnes at Napanee. 
Porchlight Theater in Chicago is sponsoring a three-day online event starting on August 21st. It begins at 8 p.m. It's also free but requires registration, and among the great artists in its lineup are theater legend Joel Gray. Honeywell Center of Wabash, Indiana is sponsoring a free online concert on August 25th. Events in Syracuse continue at Oakwood Resort August 26th as they begin a centennial commemoration of women's suffrage at 6 p.m. Sundance Collabs has a film editing workshop online on August 27th, and North Webster's Free Music Concerts in the Park series continues on Friday evenings through Labor Day at the Dixie Park in North Webster. More on these events and others in future podcasts. If you have specific questions about area entertainment or... If you're a venue owner and would like me to review a specific show, you can contact me, Michael L. Harris, by email at sastunmedia at gmail.com. That's S-A-S-T-U-N media, all one word, at gmail.com. To help offset the cost of this production, we gladly accept tips and donations. Check out the information in our description for further details. Michael L. Harris is a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and this podcast is produced under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. The opinions expressed herein are just that, opinions. They are the observations of Michael L. Harris at the time of production, not definitive and not intended to offend or demean any person, production, or venue mentioned herein, and they are subject to change. This production is the property of Sastoon Media and MLH LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. <laughs>